Guys, uh, I, I told our church uh, members here, they've been asking me for months now, Pastor, who is our guest speaker? Who's going to be our guest speaker? I said, it's a surprise. So, surprise. <laughs> Thank you. And I got to tell you, though, the reason, and I was very resistant to this, uh, but almost every year without fail, when we finish the message, somebody will come up to me at the meal or afterwards and say, Preacher, you know, we enjoyed the speaker, but we really like for you to bring the homecoming message one year. So here's my one year, okay? <laughs> so if you don't like the message, you're visiting today, you don't like the message, we invite you back next year. We'd love to have you back. We'll have a guest speaker. Uh, but anyways, take your Bibles if you would. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John, if you need a Bible... There should be a Bible in the pew in front of you, so please grab a Bible out and um, turn to 1 John, not the Gospel of John, keep going, and uh, find, your, find your way to 1 John for this morning's message. As was mentioned early, uh, earlier, don't, don't forget, stick around afterwards, great meal, so uh, we hope that you will uh, take time to eat, fellowship with us, hang out. Uh, should be a good meal afterwards, as it always is. Notice if you would, in 1 John, verses 1 and following. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we've seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things... We write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But... If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. 
And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this, this day. Lord, we recognize that this is a day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, thank you for those that are here. I thank you for every visitor, those who have come for the homecoming service, those who throughout years have uh, had involvement and impact in the ministries here at Community. Lord, thank you for them. Lord, I pray that their heart is encouraged as they look around, as they, as they see the faces and, and perhaps old friends. Lord, I pray that you would encourage their heart to know that they had a part in this ministry as they allowed you to work in them and through them. And so, Lord, I pray this day will be a day of encouragement, uplifting, and I pray most importantly it will be a day that will exalt the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it is in His name that we pray. Amen. Uh, if, if there are any young folks sitting in the audience, I, I would like to say uh, that um, sometimes when pastor has spent a lot of time studying this and preparing and, and going through it, sometimes uh, if I get distracted, I might lose my place and then I've got to start over. <laughs> you don't want that to happen, trust me. Actually, that's for the adults. The kids are great. We get along good. Don't let me lose my spot, Carver. I'll be distracted. And start over would not be profitable. Thank you. Happiness, holiness, and homecoming. That's the title. Happiness, holiness, and homecoming. That's what this pastor's heart wants to talk to you about today from this text that we've just read. Let's start with happiness. You notice here in the beginning of this text, John, the beloved disciple of Christ, is the author. Tell you what I want to do. Uh, I want to give you a snapshot. Most of you know when we start a new book study, which, by the way, we just started a new book study on Wednesday nights. We'd love to see you folks here. Wednesday nights we were studying the book of Galatians. But when we start a new book study, we always give some background information, vital, important. So let's give a little background before we actually dive into this first topic of happiness. John, he's the author, the beloved disciple of Christ. How do we know that? Well, there's internal evidence. As you read through this book, you're going to see a lot of writing style that if you compare to uh, the other writings of John, you'll see that internal evidence. You'll also see some external evidence that John is the author. For example, Polycarp, um, who, who was a disciple of John, he's a close associate of John, appears to make reference to this very epistle at the beginning of the second century when he wrote a letter to the Philippians. Arrhenius, another early church father, wrote, he was a student of Polycarp. He quoted from it and attributed it to John. There's a lot of extra biblical writings that we have as two of the ones I just cited that will say, hey, this is John's letter. Who's this letter written to? Well, John is probably writing at this point in time, he's probably writing from Ephesus to the Christians throughout Asia Minor, modern, modern day Turkey. Let me read you a quote. Uh, if you have a study Bible of John MacArthur, you'll see this note. Great quote here. Listen, the church fathers, Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, Clement of Alexandria, Eusebius, they indicate that when John was advanced in age, he lived at Ephesus. In Asia Minor. 
carrying out an extensive evangelistic program, overseeing many of the churches that had arisen, and conducting an extensive writing ministry. He wrote his epistles. He wrote the Gospel of John, Book of Revelation. One church father, Papias, who had directed who had direct contact with John, described John, the author of this book, he described him this way. A, quote, living and abiding voice. As the last remaining apostle, John's testimony was highly authoritative among the churches. Many eagerly sought to hear the one who had firsthand experience with the Lord Jesus. So imagine you're in one of those churches. And imagine, and just imagine for a second that the Apostle John is still alive. How cool would that have been? You kind of want to meet and hear from him. You kind of want to know and, and, and maybe have that conversation. And so John writes this letter, and, and we're going to guesstimate the date Anywhere from, you can give it 60 A.D. to 100 A.D., I'm going to say, and I, and I think most scholars would agree, 90 to 95 A.D. And his reason for writing this letter is, church, focus on the basics. Get back to the basics. Can I tell you this homecoming message, I think the church needs to hear back to the basics. This church, by God's grace, His sustaining grace, has been in existence for over 40 years. And I believe it has carried on because it's always been a church that has been Christ-centered and Bible-centered. Can I encourage you Church, because I don't know everyone here, but those who profess to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you face a lot of stuff in life. You face a lot of struggles. You face dilemmas. You have questions. You have woes. You have sickness. You have health. You have all kinds of things that happen in your life. Can I tell you, can I encourage you this morning, the way to navigate through life is by the basics. The living Word of God you have, I have. And it's to navigate us on the road to life. Through life. And so, John's writing this letter because there's some things going on in the area that's probably no different than some of the things we may face today. And so, he's, he's writing uh, to, to recall to the fundamentals of the faith. And it appears there was some error that was being taught. Surprise, surprise. And so he's going to address it. Uh, and many of you who, who've studied this book, you, you understand that there, this was probably the birth, the rise of Gnosticism. This claim to have a superior knowledge. It's from the Greek word, uh, gnosis. And, and I'm going to just give you kind of a, a, a summary of what the Gnostics believed. They believed all matter was evil. Therefore, God did not create or have anything to do with the material universe. Therefore, Jesus Christ could not have come in the flesh, they would say. 
So John's going to address that in chapter 4 of this book. One branch of Gnosticism, Docetism, Dokken to seem, said that Jesus only seemed to be physical. John's going to address this from the get-go. Serenthus taught that Jesus was physical, but that the Christ came upon him at his baptism and left before his death. Heresy. So therefore, the Christ, they would say, never suffered. John's going to address that as well in chapter 5. Their application to everyday living took two different directions. Those Gnostics, since all matter was thought to be evil, here's what a Gnostic would look like. Either, number one, they would would abstain altogether from anything that would satisfy the flesh. This is where the, the idea of asceticism you know, you'll see sometimes people believe in punishing themselves. Monks will shut themselves off. And, and, and they just, this idea of you must punish yourself. So some Gnostics took that avenue and it was nothing to feed the appetite of the flesh. And then others claimed it didn't matter. It didn't matter what one did in the flesh. It was evil anyway. And so to have full knowledge, it was proper to explore everything. Because, you know, Live and learn would be the mantra. Sound familiar? So John's going to address this problem, this concern that was creeping up within the culture and within the church culture. So I want to encourage all of my homecoming attendants today, church members, visitors, when you go home, you can take home the Word of God, open it up, and begin to look through 1 John. And I encourage you, spend some time after today in 1 John. And let the living Word of God speak to you. Because it's true. So, let's get into our message. Happiness. Look in verses 1 through 4. John says, that which was from the beginning. He's speaking of Christ. The Incarnation which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Think about now, you just got some context of why he's writing this. Do you see why he's using this kind of language under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. Okay? Concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we've seen and heard, we declare to you. Hear a little repetition there? He's making a point. Oftentimes you'll find that with the teachers in the New Testament, they are very repetitious. This pastor is repetitious. I'm modeling it after the New Testament teachers. They're repetitious. Jesus said, verily, verily. That wasn't a stuttering problem. He's bringing a point to something truthful, something of truth. And I don't know about you, I can't hear truth enough. Well, guess what? 
John's writing to these folks here because he knows there's, there's this, this problem going on within the church. And so he wants to address it. You know, the best way to battle error is with truth. The best way to battle error is with truth. Some of us are facing battles and we don't know the truth of how to handle it. God's given you the answer. Well, notice what else John says here. He says that that when it comes to happiness, listen to what he says. We have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father has manifested us, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. John answers the question on why he's writing this. You may be asking, well, why? People are asking everywhere, why? Okay, that's audience participation. Why? Why is he writing this? Notice, he says, that which we've seen and heard we declare, verse 3, that you may also, that you also may have fellowship with us. You know, if you want to have happiness in your life, let me tell you where it starts. It starts with the word of life. It continues in fellowship. Fellowship. Because church, Christian, our common bond is Christ. And our fellowship is centered around, I know this is going to hurt some feelings, not a good plate of southern fried chicken. Our fellowship is centered around the things of Christ. Now, there's nothing wrong if you want to call me down to meet you at Bojangles and me and you have a little powwow session. We'll talk about the rain. We'll talk about some sports. That's fine. But you know what? That's not genuine happiness. You want to have lasting substance in relationships? Well, it's found in the person of Christ and it's found with the people of Christ. How do I know that? Well, let's keep reading. Let's find out. We're going to answer this question, why? And what about this idea of happiness? Because you know what this tells me? Happiness, happiness is a shallow term in my opinion. Because happiness is based on your happenings. If you're looking for happiness, it's fleeting. It's determined by what's going on in your life. And if things aren't real good in your life right now, you're not very happy, are you? We were talking about in our Sunday school study this morning that probably one of Satan's greatest attacks upon the believer is discouragement. Ever feel discouraged? Ever feel kind of depressed in your spirit? Just sort of down? Discouragement is is one of those fiery darts. I believe that. I I believe that that's what the Scripture would tell us. Because, see, we look for in our shallowness sometimes happiness. But when our happiness is found in our happenings and it ain't happening, we ain't very happy. You follow me? So what does John say here in his writing? He's wanting these people to know, and think about this, because he repeats it three times right there in those verses. And guys, 
Mm, if you don't get excited about the fact that you have been forgiven of your sin, if you can't get excited about the fact that you know this is not your home, if, if you have received eternal life, you have received the forgiveness of your sins, and one day you will live eternally, that's pretty doggone exciting. I can't help but be happy about that, but it's not based upon the persecution that's going on in this world. It's not based upon the fact that the bills are due and I'm struggling paying them. It's not based upon the fact that I get the news report from the doctor and the health report is not real good. My happiness is found in the person, my self-worth and my value is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Because of Him, I know this is not my home. And that is freeing. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you battle with, no matter what your struggles are, when it's anchored in the word of life, in the truth, when you have the fellowship of other believers who can come alongside you in those moments to encourage you, this is God's intention for the body of Christ. This is His plan and purpose for our life as believers, as followers. Because notice what He says in verse 4 in regards to happiness. Why is He writing this? Why is He declaring this Jesus Christ to them? Verse 4, And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. You know the difference between joy and happiness. Joy is an internal abide. It doesn't go away when the storms of life are raging. John's writing so that you may know, so that your joy may be full. Even when life is crowding in. So... Joy. That's, that's what should mark the life of a Christian. That's what should help us in the moments of despair and discouragement. That's what should lift us up when we look at the error that's crowding in around us, when the heretical teachings that are being espoused through the system of the world, be it religion, or be it atheism, or be it secularism, or any of the other isms, truth. What about holiness? John deals with the subject of holiness here in, in verse 5 through 2-1. I won't read through all... Well, I may read through some of this. Just follow along. We'll try and go through this second point quickly. John says, look, God is light. There's no darkness in Him. This is where John gets black and white. Some people don't like black and white. I like John. I, I, I'm kind of one of these black and white guys. I, I, don't, I don't like the, the gray area. It confuses me sometimes. You know? And so John lays it out here. This is the message which we've heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. Now he's going to start meddling. So let me meddle a little bit based upon the word of God. If we say we have fellowship with Him, 
So if you're here and you're a Christian, and you acknowledge you're a Christian, you're acknowledging you have fellowship with him. So if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk, walk in darkness, church, are we practicing a lifestyle that's in the dark? Now, this is introspect. All right, this isn't preacher pointing his finger at you because, you know, I, I got to look in here enough already. I, ain't gotta, I can't worry about you. All right? You know what I'm saying. Am I walking in darkness? Are there things in my life that need to be brought to the light? Because if we say we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, verse 6, we lie and do not practice the truth. But, verse 7, if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Hey, man, thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, I am grateful for the shed blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses me from all sin. Now, he's going to talk about when we know there's sin in our life, we confess that sin, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us of that sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because we all know there's some things that we do in a day we probably just don't know. I imagine somewhere in God's economy that luchador outfit probably was not the best. I'm just saying, I'm just being honest. My kid said, amen. Anyway. God is light. There's no darkness. Verse 9 is when he tells us if we confess those sins. He's faithful. Look at the character of God. Who is God? God's faithful. He's just. He's able to be both faithful and just at the cross of Calvary. He's able to be just and merciful at the cross of Calvary. That's why I am grateful that through the cross of Calvary, all the provisions that I need for salvation are met. The righteousness that I need is met. It's met in the person of Christ. It's met in the finished work of Christ at the cross of Calvary. It's not based upon me, my doings, my ability to do anything, or my inability to do anything. But there should be a marking of that true Christian life that when we have come to the cross of Calvary and we have laid down our life in exchange, taken the life of Christ, we've received the gift of salvation, there should be something that marks us as followers of Christ. We're people of the Word. We're people of the fellowship. We're people who are marked with joy. And we're people who practice. We live out. We live out what we know. Because our minds are being renewed. I'm not the center of my own universe anymore. I used to be. That's why I loved the joke when I was in school and my teacher sent me to the principal's office. And I was in eighth grade. And I'll never forget, Mrs. Culverhouse said, 
Jeremy, you must think the whole world revolves around you. And I looked at her and I says, well, yes, I do. My dad calls me son. <laughs> yeah, Holton knows how that one finished, didn't you? <laughs> I did get to pick my paddle, though. I do remember that. They laid them out across the desk. Pick your paddle. Ooh. I didn't know if I wanted the flimsy frying pan metal one, if I wanted the oak one that was just a solid oak, if I wanted the plexiglass with the holes in it. I'm serious, guys. This was the menu. I opted for the oak with the baseball handle. (laughs) Probably not the best option. I'm just saying. If I could go back, I think I would have done the frying pan one. But anyway, that's another story. Gang, look, the scriptures are clear. When we come to the cross at Calvary, there's an exchange of life. There's an exchange. And if you've not experienced the exchange, man, you need to go. You need to get there. You need to, by faith, receive Christ. Because He'll change your life. John knows that. He's writing. He's encouraging these folks. And so notice what he says. He says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful, He's just, forgives our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And His word is not in us. We've all sinned. Every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Well, let me give you some practical application because John gives us some practical application right here in two one. He says, listen, my little children. What, what? You know, he takes on this endearing term, which he does often. He says, look, kids, my children, my peeps. No, he didn't really say that. That's the, that's the message. No, I'm just kidding. He says, my little children, these things are right. I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. (laughs) I don't know about you. Wow. Guys, I, I blow it. I blow it sometimes. Do you know how Thankful I am that I can, I can go to my knees and call upon Christ and ask the Lord's forgiveness to lay that down and turn from that. Not practice that, but lay it down and leave it by the grace of God. He says, my little children, I'm telling you this, Because we have an advocate. If you sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. And He Himself, He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the whole world. The provision has been made. I've got good news. i got good news. But first the bad. We're all sinners. We've all sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news is, God has provided 
He has given us His Son as an atonement. This word propitiation is the Greek word halosmos. It means an appeasing. God's wrath, His justice has been appeased at the cross. The judgment that you and I deserve fell upon our Savior. It doesn't have to fall upon you. It doesn't have to fall upon me. Christ took it for us. And He's made provision for you and I to be forgiven. And we can exchange our dirty, sinful life and take and by faith receive the forgiveness and the righteousness that He desires to robe us with. His righteousness. To give us a new direction in life. To give us new purpose. To give us new meaning. To give us understanding so that we might declare to others the good news. You know, 1 John 4.10, don't turn there, but I'll read it. Herein is love. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's good news. Go over to 1 John 5.13, my last point. Homecoming. Yeah, today's homecoming in this church. We celebrate it. It's great. It's good to have you here. Homecoming here today. But let me tell you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are born again. This is not our homecoming. This is just temporary gathering. I'm glad we gathered. But gang, there is a homecoming that will happen. And John not only wrote to us in this letter, and not only wrote to those people of that day and of that time to address the errors that were bombarding the church, and we can use this in application because of the errors that bombard us today. We, he, he not only wrote it to them to encourage them about their joy in regards to happiness and life, not only to instruct them in holiness and how they should be walking and living, but he's also encouraging us that there will be a homecoming. First John 5.13 says... These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. Not that you might guess, not that you might hope. He says, I've written these things to those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Not you'll get it, you have it. Because when the Holy Spirit indwells the heart of a believer, they are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Don't take my word for it. Read Ephesians. That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe Trust in the name of the Son of God. I don't care what's happening in your life. I don't care what your circumstances are other than to say this. You can trust and you can continue to hope in the name of Christ. You can continue to believe in Jesus Christ. You continue to bank on the Word of God because it's sure, it's certain, it's unchanging, and it brings great hope. 
Community Baptist Church, we're not home yet. Therefore, we must continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We must continue to make disciples. We must come back to the basics. Share your faith and make disciples. Share your faith, make disciples. Share your faith, make disciples. That's our goal. And we are blessed in this church to have a variety of ministries and methods. But don't let those things consume us. Because if those things consume us, we lose sight of why we do those things. We must continue to proclaim the good news and use these as opportunities to reach people for Christ that they might grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. God has blessed this church for over 40 years. May He continue to do so as we continue to fight the good fight of faith. And if you're here visiting this morning, maybe you've not been to community in a while. Maybe you're a first-time visitor here this morning. Let me introduce you to Community Baptist Church. The name community says it all. Community Baptist Church uh, is a church that represents the community of LaGrange. We're a multi-ethnic church, multicultural church. Uh, we have young, old, and everybody in between. Whether it is for your little children, whether it is for Sundays, for children's church, Wednesday night, there's a youth program. We, we have an HB10, home by 10, adult group that meets. So as people come in, that we try to build relationships with those people. I really think that's the hallmark of this church. No matter what you, you love to do, whether it's, you know, music, if you're musically inclined, if you're good with kids, there's always something, some way that you can contribute, some way that you can fit in. Um, you're never going to feel like you're out of place. We offer co-ed volleyball for men and women. We also have a men's basketball league that we do. Uh, we also have a uh, softball league that uh, we feature over the summer. Uh, we have the gymnasium, which it, it hosts most of uh, those events. Uh, and it's just a, just a great time. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This was hundreds of years ago. Community Baptist Church is definitely a church to choose to come to because Pastor Jeremy does teach um, from the Bible, and it's very sound doctrinally. You definitely get fed spiritually. Um, there's the people care. You can develop some really close relationships here um, and people that will encourage you and keep you accountable um, to continue living for the Lord. Uh, people here will love on you. Uh, they'll accept you, uh, they'll receive you, and the best part is we're going to love you in truth. We're going to share the truth of God with you. I, I feel that Community Baptist Church has done its best to develop a biblical ministry. Scripture says that a, a, a new Christian is a newborn babe. And Community Baptist Church is here to grow those individuals. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, His one and only Son. And whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish, 
but have everlasting life. You see, we have a problem. We've offended God. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God loves you. And He's demonstrated that love at the cross of Calvary. While we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. And He extends to you the message of hope, the message of healing, the message of forgiveness. And if you would be willing to repent of your sin and acknowledge to God the sin that we all have, He's willing to meet you at the cross and give you the grace that you need to be forgiven of that sin. And He says in His Word, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I would invite you to that new life by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Amen, church? Amen. If you are visiting with us today, this is a project that we have been working on, and today is the first day the church has seen it. So we're thankful that you got to be a part of that. Um, pray for this project. This is, we're just entering into phase two. Lord willing, by God's grace, our goal is to send this within a 12-mile radius of this church. So every home, if you live within 12 miles of this church, hopefully by December you should be receiving a free copy on a DVD in your mailbox uh, in, in December, hopefully, uh, maybe sooner. And uh, we are wanting to get the gospel of Christ into every home. And so what you've seen here, uh, by God's grace, uh, we'll, we'll make it to every home within a 12-mile radius. Um, again, our goal is to win people to Christ and make disciples. If you'd like to be a part of that, we'd love to have you on the team. Let's go to the Lord in prayer in closing. Father, I pray that you have been honored today. I pray that you have been glorified. I pray that Christ will, be con will continue to be glorified in the lives of every believer that's here. And Lord, I recognize that in a crowd this size, there are some who are not believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray you will touch their heart in a special way. That they will see and hear the truth. Give them ears to hear. Give them eyes to see. That they will know that what's been shared is the most important message they will ever hear. And it's the message that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And Lord, that description fits us all. Help them to see their need for a Savior, that by faith they may turn in repentance and call out to the only name under heaven, given amongst men by which to be saved, the name of Jesus Christ. May they humbly call upon Him today for the forgiveness of sin, that they might enter into that new relationship. And so, Lord, we'll praise You for what only the Spirit of God can do in the heart of man. And Lord, I pray now too as we enter into time of food and fellowship around that food, that Lord, you would bless that food to our body. We're grateful for those who've taken time to prepare it. And may we enjoy the remainder of this day giving you the praise, thanking you for the many years that you have sustained this ministry 
And Lord, we would pray that you would continue to bless this ministry. In Christ's holy name, amen.